probably sounds like a weird subject, but I think it's quite relevant to our understanding of the ancients. The megalith builders throughout the Neolithic world often carved holes into their giant monuments, the purpose of which is lost to us today. That's not to say the holes all had the same purpose, but what I am saying is that whichever type of hole we consider, often their function is unknown, whether they played a structural, astronomical, or ritual role is open to debate. And of course, they may have been for something else entirely. In this video, I'm going to discuss all the different kinds of holes found in Malta's megalithic monuments. And I'll also mention some of the other curious holes found in other megaliths around the world. Carved holes around 15 centimeters in width are found in paving stones at several of the temple sites in Malta. They're usually found in threshold slabs just before the entrance to a temple, the entrance to an apse within a temple, or the entrance to a shrine or a niche. This has led archaeologists to suggest they might be libation holes, which means they were receptacles for liquid offerings poured by the ancients upon entering a sacred precinct. In the temple places monographed by the Fraxus project published in 2020, an alternative use is put forward, but nothing is concluded. The authors suggest they may have been post holes for wooden stakes, potentially displaying animal skulls as part of a ritual feasting ceremony. Let's take a look at a few of the examples and see what we think. These six are in the entrance corridor leading into the South Temple at Scorba. This was the only way to access the temple, so whether they were libation holes or post holes, they seem rather inconveniently located. Surely you would trip over them. These two holes are at the rear of the main temple at Hajarim, just before an external niche or shrine. These three holes mark the entrance, or potentially what was a second entrance, to a temple at the Tas Silj complex. At Amnidra, these holes are carved into the slabs that pave the corridor leading from the main entrance of the oldest trefoil temple up to the small rear apse. So with all these examples, it seems rather impractical for them to have held liquid or stakes. I have another idea, but we'll get to that later. There are numerous examples of biconical passage holes carved into the orthostats flanking either side of an entrance to a temple or a section of a temple. The best theory seems to be that they held ropes tied to a screen which acted as a barrier to access, a Neolithic door basically. The screens may have been made of leather or wood, which is why none have survived up until today. This idea makes sense to me, but the archaeologist Temi Zamet, famed for his excavations at the beginning of the 20th century, wrote something refuting this suggestion. In his paper, Neolithic rep representations of the human form from the islands of Malta and Gozo, he wrote that the biconical passage holes are somewhat asymmetrical on either side of the entrances, meaning they were not ideally positioned to hold screens or doors. He also mentioned that this biconical design is so prolific in the Maltese temples, in both the structures and the statues that it must have had ritual significance instead. In front of Hajarim, Amnidra and Tarshin, these biconical passage holes can be found carved into slabs in the forecourts. It's thought these were for tethering animals before they were sacrificed for a ritual feast. However, in the main chamber on the second level of the Hal Safliani Hypogeum, the same double hole was found in front of the imitation temple. And unlike the above ground temples, this contained ram's horns and 
was plugged with two biconical stones. This got me thinking that maybe the passage holes at the other temples originally contained deposits and were plugged as well. Maybe they were for ritual deposits rather than for tethering animals. We do, not, we do know, after all, that the temple people made ritual deposits at thresholds. At Gigantia, pottery sherds, seashells, and a bull's horn were found under a slab at the entrance to the South Temple. This then got me thinking that the libation holes may have also been plugged originally, which means if they did contain liquid offerings or some other kind of ritual deposit, their locations wouldn't be so inconvenient after all. By the way, many loose conical stones have been found, which could have acted as these plugs. Finds at Tarshin Temple support this as well, that two cavities were found on either side of the giant statue of a corpulent person or deity. These contained what are thought to be ritual deposits. The one on the left was plugged with a conical stone and contained flint, animal bones, pottery sherds, and a seashell. Going back to the, the biconical passage holes, these are also present in some statues. As I've mentioned in previous videos, the statuettes of corpulent figures are mostly headless, with sockets where heads attached to pegs can be placed. However, some of them also have these biconical passage holes in them. The archaeologist Temi Zamet, writing in 1924, saw this as significant. Small holes carved into walls, creating a space for communication between one chamber and another, or between the inside and the outside of a megalithic building, can clearly be seen at several temples in Malta. At Hajar Im, this hole is circular, and roughly halfway up the wall of the outer right apse of the main temple. At Amnidra's lower temple, there are two rectangular holes carved into the wall of the inner right apse. One communicates with an external niche or shrine, and one with a small chamber. At Tarshin, a circular hole is located in the lower part of the wall of the inner right apse of the east temple. And at the underground sanctuary known as the Hypogeum of House Afliani, there is a hole in the wall between the main chamber and the elliptical room containing the deep pit. This wall also has uh, windows in it. All these holes, except for the one at the Hypogeum, are often referred to as oracle holes because of the idea that they may have been used by a priestly figure to communicate prophecies to an audience on the other side of the wall. Looking at the locations of them, this seems to me to be unlikely. I haven't found any references to the one at the Hypogeum. Mostly the area discussed as having a prospective oracular function there is the long chamber decorated with red ochre spirals known as the Oracle Room. There's a popular idea that niches in the wall of this chamber resonate at a particular frequency when spoken into that positively affects brainwaves. Another idea with regards to the oracle holes is that they had an astronomical function. The one at Hajar-Im is known to let light stream into the apse during the solstices. That they had an astronomical function seems like a better option. However, when you realise there's also one in the hypogeum, which is underground, that doesn't make sense either. I need to keep re researching to find more references to the one in the hypogeum, um, because I just can't seem to find any mention of it. Everything is always about the niches and the oracle oracle room. At Gigantia, there's this rather curious example of a fully carved hole in one orthostat opposite a carved depression on the stone on the other side of the corridor. Passing in the middle of these standing stones takes a visitor to the inner three apses of the South Temple. 
Sticking with the hinge theory, I suppose they could have been attached to something making some sort of a doorway. The one which is bored all the way through isn't in a location where it could serve either an oracular or astronomical function, unless it was moved at some point in the temple's long history of use. Moving on to international examples, and this is in no way an exhaustive list. At Gobekli Tepe, there are a few pillars with circular holes carved into them. One in Enclosure D is sometimes referred to as the sighting stone, but since it's against the wall of the enclosure, it can't actually see anything. Also in Enclosure D, the T-shaped pillar number 30 has a hole bored all the way through it. Pillar 66 of Enclosure H has a hole in it and is also against the enclosure wall, just as with the so-called sighting stone. Of course, it's also possible that the pillars were moved during remodeling of the site. Um, it has a very long history and it's thought that a lot of remodeling did take place. So that means the original function of the holes might be difficult to grasp now. Many men here all over the world have holes pierced into them, making an astronomical function seem kind of likely. I mean, Good examples are the Menhir de Pierre Fiche and the Menhir de la Pierre Perse in France. In the UK, the Rorite stones in Oxfordshire consist of Neolithic and Bronze Age megaliths, including a stone circle, a Menhir and a dolmen. One stone has a clearly carved opening in it. Close to the Merry Maiden's Neolithic stone circle in Cornwall, there's a hold megalith, which is probably contemporary with the monument and linked to it in some way. The whole stone is a menhir close to the Tor House Stone Circle in Scotland, and it's called that because, well, it's got a hole in it. Zurat's Kaher or Karahunj in Armenia is a monumental megalithic site with more than 200 menhirs, many of which have one or two holes carved into them. And the Amazon Stonehenge in Amapa, northern Brazil, also has a megalith with a hole carved into it. Hold megaliths clearly had some sort of significance in prehistory, and this may have varied from hole to hole monument to monument and region to region. Perhaps they played a structural role holding a material that's long since disintegrated. Maybe they played roles in ritual or astronomy, or maybe their role was immensely practical, but we can't figure out exactly what that would have been now. Let me know what you think in the comments and let's keep exploring together. If you enjoyed this video, please like and subscribe to my channel. Take a look at my other videos, there are plenty to choose from. I'm on Patreon, so if you'd like to support my work through it, the link is in the description below. I post regularly on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, so follow me there for more content. Um, also, for a guide to the sites that I personally visit, I've put a bunch of fact sheets and GPS locations up on my website.